0: Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Sam Harrelson. Before we hop into the show, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. Uh, we've gotten a lot of, of new listeners over the last few weeks, really. And the show is growing and growing and, and growing uh, as far as listenership goes. And, and we really do appreciate that, Thomas and I do. So I just wanted to, to say thank you. Uh, if you want to support the show, please go to patreon.com thinkingfm. And you can uh, support us there with, with our other fellow uh, supporters. We really do appreciate that. But if you just want to, you know, email us uh, or or send us messages on social media or or Twitter, or the Facebook Messenger, or the Facebooks, or what, you know, however you operate, we we also appreciate that, and we talk about about that later in the show. Uh, but we don't say thank you enough, so thank you for for listening and, and making this kind of a, a fun, cool thing that we do, even during crazy weeks and and periods of our life. And uh, we look forward to it every week. And um, thank you, you're awesome. And let me just also say that you can go to challenge.com slash thinking religion. I know it's a silly name. C H A L L O N G E dot com slash thinking religion to follow along with the Bible brackets challenge that we talk about about halfway through the show. Now, on to the show. Do you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're good. Okay. We're recording. Yep. You ready? You want to you yep. count on anything? Wanna, yeah, I'll count down. Wanna sure. drink? Wanna, wanna I'll have a yeah, I'll have another. Top yourself off.
1: All right. So five four three two one. Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas
0: Whitley. And I'm Sam Harrelson.
1: <laughs> so I'm uh, <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. I'm live on location in um, West Philadelphia, Philadelphia, born and raised on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. You know how I'm it sorry. goes. Yeah, exactly. Chilling out relaxing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm glad somebody has finally uh, sung that song <laughs> I mean, nobody's. I mean, I just figured like people just break out and that song on the street, right? But apparently not. I haven't seen anybody do that yet, so I'm actually been pretty disappointed. Um, yeah. I did run to New Jersey last night, though. which is interesting. <laughs> were there any closed beaches? Did you did you <laughs> pop your chairs? Yeah, over? they were they were all closed. Yeah, actually, I was trying to come over the bridge, and Chris Christie was just like, "No, no, <laughs> you you cannot come." yeah over
0: here exactly new jersey is closed except for me um people, people yeah I in, never like, realized. In, yeah people in the south especially you know maybe and and well I, geez that that makes no sense people outside of the northeast i will say you know people out west we have a lot of listeners in like oregon hello Oregon. Yeah, right oregon's like our, our, our second biggest uh, uh uh demographic besides new york hello new york we're big in new york we're big in oregon portland i guess um we're going to get big in Philly after this week. I'm I'm confident. Yeah. But but uh anyway, so people outside of the the Northeast don't realize like the Northeast is really compact. Like you can when I lived in Connecticut, we could go to Vermont and go to like you know, skiing at Stowe and and be back home by dinner. And it was it was I, nothing.
1: Yeah, so like I ran over the bridge to Jersey last night and I was like I'm in Jersey, like really, and then yeah, like I was, you know, <clears throat> friend of mine didn, was in New York, and it was like, oh, that's, it's you're closer to me now than like when we're, you know, I don't know, it's crazy. So, but of course, like I live in Tallahassee, which is in the Panhandle, and there's nothing close there, in Florida. Bama. But there, yeah, pretty well, you know, South Georgia basically is <laughs> what we call. It. So, yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm up here for I'm up in Philly this week for work. Um. David Ray, you know, has been joining us for a couple of weeks for our, uh, Bible thinking, religion, Bible bracket challenge. Um, traveling today, not able to, uh, join us today. We're going to try to get him back on next week. Um, so we're going to go with the Bible bracket challenge again. <clears throat> uh, got a, got some good matchups to talk about this week. we actually, um, actually while you were sleeping, right. The same way it works with, the, with March madness. Um, you don't actually watch all the games.
0: Yeah, th- these um, are like the games that are on NBCSN and Fox Sports Three, right? You know, right
1: and sh- and just a just a you know kind of a brief interlude shout out to NBCSN for showing uh, every stage of the Tour de France, which is on right now, stage seventeen today. So
0: yeah, um, and and uh, NBC is no Fox F- FS One tomorrow night is, is FS One. Yeah, they're they're bumping the uh, the only NASCAR race on dirt. Like you know how they have trucks. So the NASCAR right, trucks right. tomorrow night are racing in in, uh, in uh, Eldora, Ohio, and it's it's one of the biggest races of the year for NASCAR nerds like me. And it's always on FS1. Well, th- they're bumping that because the stupid US soccer team, I'm sorry, football team is playing <laughs> El Sal El Salvador, um, bullet the blue sky uh, in in a in a soccer match or something, and in, in some kind of CONCACAF. And uh, oh, CONCACAF, yeah. Yeah, so we got bumped to um, Fox. No. It's Fox business two or something like some crazy ass channel. <laughs> it's like, really? Something nobody has. Nobody like has anywhere. Yeah. That's not yeah. my Hulu subscription. It's like,
1: it's like you go into your cable store and you say, I want every channel and it still, it still does not include Fox business. Two. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, so anyway, because I'm up here on work, we got a kind of a abbreviated schedule. Uh, so it'd be a little bit shorter show this week. um, mm. And somehow, again, I think we're not going to talk about anything that's going on in the world.
0: But <laughs> well, I do want to ask you this. Give me five minutes. And, okay, and, all right, We, we five can minutes. squeeze the rest, all right? So we, we keep getting into these discussions. And I think people want to hear this. So um, we keep getting into these discussions on Twitter and, and the social medias about hermeneutics and that kind of thing. And I know I've gotten a lot of blowback this week. Uh, a lot about Eugene Peterson. A lot about, like, the the, the – the, question of homosexuality and evangelicals and it, it just feels like a, a freighted you know like like wet sponge this week not to be normative
1: <laughs> yeah um we really need to we really i okay, so when we're done with thinking religion bible bracket challenge we really need to do like a full show on hermeneutics i think that would be probably helpful for our listeners um and, and if you don't know the word hermeneutics it's basically just a fancy word Uh, That means your method of interpretation. Um, But it's a really, really important aspect um, that kind of determines, like, how you read the Bible or how you read a sacred text or, you know, all of these things, how you kind of filter in information. Um, And we did have some interesting discussions this week on Twitter about that. Um, I mean, I don't know. The Eugene Peterson thing is disappointing, right? He comes out in this interview with Jonathan Merritt and says, yeah, 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 I would do a same-sex marriage. Um, and then gets this blowback, uh, largely, you know, kind of pushed by Lifeway and, um, conservative figures, which is interesting because Eugene Peterson, though he's been big kind of in conservative Christianity, he's a, he was a mainline pastor, right? He was a PCUSA pastor, um, but gets all this blowback and seems to me, though I'm not going to kind of project motivations on him, um, What he stood to lose was money from book sales, right, from sales of the message. Did you see what
0: what Al Mohler said about the PCUSA? And they're like, yeah, Al Al Mohler had this kind of asinine post, and he basically was like, isn't it telling that the PC—one of the leading uh, pastors of the PCUSA, which Eugene Peterson is not, um, you know, doesn't even know what they stand for because he said he wasn't intentionally ever a, a Presbyterian. Right. And I was like, wait, wait, wait jackass? Like, really? Like, you're you're going to – anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, this tells us a lot about Eugene Peterson. Uh, I mean, right? I mean, he has a message, which is fine if you like that kind of thing. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase, and paraphrases are not worth much of anything, I don't think. They tell us more about the person who wrote them, i.e. Mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson, than they do about um, the text itself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But, I mean, this is this is really disappointing what, what happened. I mean, this kind of was making waves, obviously, in our circles uh, over the past week. Um, the disappointing thing here is the only explanation is there was some sort of pressure put on him or his people that caused him to walk it back. And if he was pretty confident, you know, if he could state with confidence, yes, I would do a same-sex marriage, you know, perform one. Um, and in the days weeks leading up to the publication he didn't come back and say actually i want to clarify that a little bit i've thought about it but you know until after the publication when he started getting pressure and pressure that could have meant that you know it would be uh, that his translate his paraphrase the message would be pulled from lifeway stores and things like that and ergo he would lose money then he says actually no that's not what i said and he asked me a hypothetical and we can't work in hypotheticals and it's kind of like what the hell are you talking about that's the entire thing that you do I mean that. What that's what half of what you do as a pastor, right? As you talk about hypotheticals, like if you're in this situation, here's how you should act, or you know, here's how we should approach the world, or whatever. I mean, it's that's what being a pastor is about, largely, is hypothetical. So, I mean, his his response and his defense was very weak, um, and it's mainly just disappointing that there's still this much kind of power, this this much sway over figures like Eugene Peterson um, to kind of walk back stances that weren't even progressive that were, but that were, I don't know. Um, Legal. <laughs> illegal would be one thing, but, but also, um, that just weren't regressive, I guess. I don't know. I mean, and, and we probably have listeners that do not support same sex marriage and that's fine. Obviously, oh, yeah, obviously we, Trust obviously me. we I get do. the emails <laughs> and that, that's fine. Right. I mean, this is, this is not about us making everybody think like we do. Um, but the kind of, like, what happened with Eugene Peterson was just, um, I don't know. I, I mean, like the word that you used, Sam was coward, right? I mean, there's kind yeah. of, it, it's hard to, it's hard to interpret the situation in, in in any other way. And if Eugene Peterson had had pushed, had had kind of expressed a consistent hermeneutic from the beginning, then he would have had solid footing to stand on, and and he didn't. Um, and, and that's, you know, just another example of why kind of having a consistent hermeneutic is so important. And then I obviously was tweeting about this with a little bit about what Rachel Held Evans was treating with slavery. And it's like, well, cause she was saying something about, we shouldn't take it literally. And I think this is a big problem that moderates and liberals have is claiming that certain things shouldn't be taken literally. That should be understood literally. And right. Or we're just afraid to say, I just disagree with the Bible here. I mean, there's not much to me that's, I mean, there are some things that are pretty clear in the Bible, right? We can't talk about the Bible says this um, in many cases, but it is pretty clear that the the Bible writ large, all of the viewpoints that come together in it over these hundreds of years and these various authors, does not have a problem with slavery.
0: I, I love that, that. Seems pretty clear. I, I used your um, your thread about that on Twitter, on Facebook in a, yeah. in a conversation, and and some uh, person. Female uh, accused me of being normative and and um, conservative and <laughs> I was like no 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 <laughs> exactly the and, yeah. and not and not standing for equality. And I was like, I, you click my profile. <laughs> anyway, learn who I am. Yeah, so we do yeah. need to do a whole
1: show on that because yeah. I think this is yeah. important, and I think it's especially I feel like we, had to, we, we
0: had to address that. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think it's especially important for for moderates and liberals who oftentimes maybe don't have this grounding or maybe grew up in a conservative background and had that grounding, but, but can no longer accept the the hermeneutics that they had when they were more conservative and, but then they haven't replaced it with anything else. I, I do actually think that's a really important conversation for us to have. And maybe, you know, we'll do it after the Bible Racket Challenge. Oh, is no, over. no, maybe, maybe, we,
0: we can fit it within. Maybe we'll do like
1: a, a special show or just talk about it on a regular basis. But I, I think this is really, really important and something that should not be overlooked. But it's not something we talk about often with kind of quote-unquote lay people.
0: Yeah, and it's just because, I mean, we have a short show tonight, so we're not going to be able to squeeze that in. But keep listening, and, and we'll definitely get to that. Um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll just— in there saying that you know it's it's something that's always on the front of our minds and something that we um, we, we think long and hard about in, in terms of um, you know uh, for me for, from a congregational background from you know a cooperative Baptist background uh, this is something that when I look at the Eugene Peterson statements and the al Mohler statements about Eugene Peterson and some of the conservative and some of the, of the liberal statements it's like uh, you can't for, for me from a congregational background it's it's okay for a pastor to have this point of view and it's okay for their congregation to have this point of view and i think what what peterson should have said not to you know play that game but you know hey i respect my congregation and if my congregation was okay with you know having a gay piano player or whatever he was saying then that's cool and we're gonna we're gonna rock on with that because that's my congregation but when you bring in like you know sort of denominational structure on top of that and what this you know, what the PCUSA has or whatever, um, that that brings a whole different element into those types of questions and, and what the Southern Baptist Convention is trying to do. And, and clearly what they pressured Eugene Peterson into, into sort of rolling back and saying, whereas most, you know, historical Baptist churches or cooperative Baptist churches, we're going to say, no, it's up to the congregation. Like, we're, we're not going to tell you whether you have to have— right. You right. know, equality. Like you can be the most conservative people in the world and call yourself cooperative Baptists as long as you give as it to long you the them. money <laughs> we'll, we'll take your paper.
1: So anyway, right. speaking right. of paper
0: and papyrus. we have um we have a couple of big showdowns. So we had Obadiah and Joe that happened on Fox Sports business um, three, three <laughs> uh, Ocho, and Joe pulled out ahead on that one pretty, pretty overwhelmingly. Obadiah put up a good game, but, you know, Obadiah is kind of a, uh, well, it's a minor prophet. Um, so then we had Hebrews and, and the Book of Martian. Just out of, out of the notion of um, relevancy, because we don't actually have a Book of Martian, but theoretically right. we do, and <laughs> it's important. And, and, you know, it, it led to what we call the, the Novum testamentum. It gave us the New Testament, but we we actually had to go with Hebrews on this one, right? Yeah, there's also a lot of anti-Judaism in Marthians, so <laughs> <That tumult laughs> we're not really not up on that. So, yeah. Which yeah. brings us to our, our next live event. Um, this is going to be on, on proper NBC. This is Ecclesiastes versus Hosea. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this is actually, this is a really interesting matchup, right, because... <clears throat> Everybody knows something from Ecclesiastes, even if they don't know it's from Ecclesiastes, right? So you have, you know, you know, for everything there is a season, right? In um, Ecclesiastes three, and you got vanity of vanities, right? You were obviously not to give away a lot of our kind of private conversations, but you know, you were kind of texting that some of our group text in Hebrew, and people are like, "Wait, what is that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's vanity of vanities," um, and they
0: didn't know, and they're smart people, and they went to liberal arts schools,
1: but it's also it's a it's a really timely book, right? Ecclesiastes is, and kind of how we're thinking about the world, and and how a lot of things seem futile and things like that. But but then you have Hosea, which is this really interesting prophet, and you got a lot of really good kind of plays on names. And and then my favorite thing that you, that we get in Hosea is this feminine imagery of God in Hosea eleven, uh, which I think is really important, uh, particularly coming from the background that I come from. So it's a really interesting matchup here between Hosea and Ecclesiastes, and for me, Hosea actually. Uh, edges out Ecclesiastes 3-2, but a really kind of tough matchup because I I, I think they both hold a lot of, you know, Ecclesiastes maybe holds more cultural significance, but Hosea maybe holds more significance in kind of um, helping us to understand that, that the Bible does not speak univocally about kind of the gender of God, right? So we get this feminine imagery here in Hosea, which I think is just really important to kind of hold up
0: I, I took a class uh, when I was in, at Div School up north with uh, Professor Carolyn J. Sharp, I believe was her name, and uh, she's amazing, and she was very... Um, yeah, she, she had the feminist herm- hermeneutic thing going on, and it was all about Hosea, and um, blew my mind. Five-nothing Hosea, just because of that. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's I great. mean, Ecclesiastes is good, you know? It's, it's got its thing, but... <laughs> You, you can't. You can't compete. Ecclesiastes is kind of a one trick pony, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and the, just the layers of like redaction pink, and and yeah. I mean Hosea is like it's like a freaking onion. I mean, you can you can peel down mm-hmm. into that. So that's going to be Hosea versus Nahum. And I'm I'm so sorry for for those who are new to the show because we're getting lots of new listeners. Um, and I'll talk about this before during um, the pre-show, so you, you've already heard it. Because uh, anyway, meta. Anyway, uh, go to Chalond. There's a link down in the show notes, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E dot com slash thinking religion. Cause I've gotten questions from people saying, what the hell are y'all talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's our, our Bible breaker challenge. We're going through 94 something, uh, matchups.
1: 92 or 94, something like that. It's a something lot of like matchups. That. That. Yeah. It's, it's a lot
0: of <laughs> matchups and, uh, we're, we're almost, we're almost done. We're going to be done with the first round after this tonight. But, uh, link down in the show is challenge.com slash thinking of religion, or just go to thinking.fm and you'll, you'll see our, our links to it. Um, so, sorry to interrupt there, but yeah, Hosea beats out Ecclesiastes. I thought that was going to be a toss-up. Alright, next up, Malachi 2nd Maccabees. That was also on ESPN Ocho, and I don't think I have a problem saying that Malachi destroyed 2nd Maccabees, because 2nd Maccabees like is, is like 1st Maccabees with more <laughs> red Greek, <laughs> yeah, All right. yeah. The or whatever yeah so
1: it's one you know one maccabees redux basically yeah then we've got gospel judas played nehemiah gospel judas came out on top we'll talk about that later because it's actually going up against john next which is in the second round, which is going to be a fascinating um uh matchup there um <clears throat> gospel thomas versus wisdom of Sirach. um I don't think there's any question about that for me. That was five. Um, if you have anything to add, but that's pretty easy. we're going to talk about that next time. Um, we got a few of these we're going to highlight for you. Uh, next matchup, first Kings over second Timothy. Um, then we had James over the prayer of Azariah. Um, and if you're interested in some of these matchups and, and kind of what went down, talk to us on Twitter about those. We'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then the next matchup, Judith over Baruch, and
0: I mean, uh, which, which which was hard for me because I like Baruch,
1: right? But then you also have Judith slaying Holofernes, and that's yeah, and that's
0: classic. <laughs> exactly. I, I think right? Trivard has Judith going all the way to the championship.
1: And so um, so we're definitely giving some love to the women that are killing, you know, kind of uh, opposition leaders. <laughs> so we're not <laughs> we're not advocating for that in in the current day and age, but in these texts that we're reading, um, and Judith is a great then we. Like yeah, that. it is. So yeah, Better good friend probably. of ours. So, um, if, if she still listens, a good friend of mine, Judith, um, uh, listens, used to listen to the show. I don't know if she still does, but if she does, she'll, um, get hey, the shout out. Are you talking off.
0: about a pastor in South Carolina or are you talking about a different Judith?
1: Oh, she's not a pastor. Um, yeah. There's a she's no longer daughter, she in South Carolina, so. Um, oh, but I'm not going to give any give away anymore. more oh, pers- oh, oh,
0: mind. Yeah, sorry.
1: Personally identifiable hmm. information,
0: um, since I've not cleared this with her beforehand. <laughs> um, she's a Russian, uh, <laughs> exactly, development officer who has not met with Donald Jr.
1: Has happens to be fluent in Russian, but has never
0: had any ties with the Kremlin. Um, Two secret meetings. Uh, this was hard. First um, Kings, Second
1: yeah. Timothy. I know. We went through that one. Where Bartholomew Gospel of Bartholomew versus Second John. This was kind of a tough oh, matchup. Yeah. But Second uh, uh, John eased that one. And, you know, just kind of edged out Bartholomew uh, on that one. Uh, this next matchup we're going to talk about, we're going to sit on for a minute. Secret Gospel of Mark versus Amos. So I want to hear your take on this first. Um, yeah, leave it at that. I want to hear your take first, and then, then I'll go into talking about this matchup.
0: All right, so I love Amos. Um, social justice. I mean, right. you've, got, you've got the Martin Luther King Jr. passages, um, Cows of Bashan. I mean, you know, Amos is one of those classic, like, prophetical books of the Old Testament. You know, and it, it really, like, tugs at your heartstrings. And Amos is kind of a, you know, a, a, a testicles to the wall. Type book. I I don't want to be normative here, Um, but I I think Amos. So you're
1: not going to be normative. You're not going to say balls to the walls, but you can say testicles to the walls. That's definitely much less normative.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I don't. I don't want to subscribe to certain Mm -hmm. definition of what traditionally male genitalia to the the vertical structure from from windows to the walls. Uh, (laughs) So Amos for me is is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and and I've done. I've done Sunday school series on Amos for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Love it to death. Secret Gospel of Mark is, and, and let me just say this about Amos. Um, if you're going to pick up a book from the Old Testament, say, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the Old Testament. Go get Amos. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like pick up Amos. Like I love 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Love Deuteronomy. Uh, those are great books for me. Those aren't if you're new to the Old Testament, or if you've never read the Old Testament, or if you're, you know, I've been to church all my life, go pick up Amos and read Amos because it's a it's a darn good story and it'll it'll hold you in, you know. There's some stuff there at, with with some of the oracles at the end, but for the most part, Amos is a, a fun read that that really kind of puts you on your heels and it makes you think like, wow, this this God figure, this you know, this God of the Jews, he's he's not or God's not kidding around. Um, and I love that and and. There's some great passages in there, and, and if I was, you know, if I was covered in tattoos, I would, I would have lots of tattoos from from the Book of James. Secret Gospel of Mark is one of those books that we don't really necessarily have in its current form, but we've been able to reconstruct it pretty well um, based on what Justin Martyr and, and um, Ignatius, I believe. Uh, yeah, right, uh, Clement. Ignatius? Clement. Oh, I'm sorry. Jeez, uh, I'm falling down. Clement. Uh, yes, what, what Clement um, has passed on to us. And the, the, the picture that we get of Jesus in Secret Mark is fascinating. And more people need to hear about what we get in Secret Mark. Am I right? Yeah, so um,
1: I don't know where to start because... I tried to not have to deal with secret mark in my dissertation, but there was no way around it. Yeah, because, um, carbon And so, right, because actually, so the idea, so, so what happens, we have this letter that was supposedly, um, by Clement. So maybe it's not Clement that gives it, but it's supposedly by Clement to Theodore, uh, you know, some random person named Theodore. And, um, talks about a secret gospel of Mark, but then also talks about a Carpacration version of Mark, right? So this idea is like the gospel of Mark, but like extra secret stuff is put in there. There was no way around it. The, the thing was this text was, um, this letter to Theodore kind of pointing toward secret gospel of Mark was discovered by Morton Smith at Marsaba, a monastery in Egypt. And, um, Within the academy, it was this huge scandal, and you know, kind of this big. Oh yeah, split we, we've got Mort-
0: Morton Smith, All
1: right? <clears throat> right, between people that thought that Mort- Morton Smith forged it, and then people that didn't think that he forged it, forged it, and thought it was authentic, and you know, think yes, it's actually a letter from Clement, and other people think no, it's not a letter from Clement. I mean, you, know, you can I can send you my parts of the dissertation to talk about this. I do not think it's an authentic letter from Clement for a bunch of reasons, um, but nonetheless, it's a really interesting. Letter and, and and there's this great scene in there where, I mean, you know, people talk. And Morton Smith even talks about it, right? The, at least in one of his books, that I don't think he uses the term like homoerotic, but that's kind of the sense that you get. Where where this guy goes to Jesus um, in the evening wearing just a linen, not not
0: just a guy, a youth,
1: a youth wearing just a linen cover, who who was just and,
0: resurrected and brought back to life, so and
1: stays with Jesus for the night and like learns from him. Um, et cetera. And then he's kind of initiated. And so there's, you know, there's all these kind of ideas around it. Like, Oh, is this like this kind of homoerotic initiation ceremony? Well, the text doesn't give us any of that detail, but it certainly, uh, people have read that into it. It's really, really kind of fascinating, uh, look into <clears throat> not just kind of this potential text, but also kind of the ways in which, um, text in the ancient world and gospels kind of worked, right? It's not this like one static text. Um, and also, I just spent a lot of time on it with my dissertation, so it is kind of near and dear to me. And we talk about the creations in this letter to Theodore, um, and that's pretty few and far between. Um,
0: plus, plus, I mean, you know, not to mention on the other side, it, you know, it might not be a homosexual thing. It might be, I mean, just for our friends out there who, we we're not fans of, of that. <laughs> you know, baptism was something that you did uh, in the middle of the night, in the first second up through and, what right, fifth, and naked, etc. Yeah, you, you were naked. You 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 buried your your body, and I mean, it but it's was, like,
1: yeah, it's also it's just got these like good Gnostic overtones of if if you're into that thing, which you know, David Ray obviously is. So we're just going to assume that David Ray um, would have picked a Secret Gospel Mark here. Um,
0: I'm sorry, Amos. Yeah.
1: but these kind of you know these these Gnostic overtones like kind of secret knowledge and things like just makes you really interesting material. So secret gospel and Mark over Amos there. Um, well, you know, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more in the next matchup, but yeah, really interesting text. So um, if you're interested in, you know, talking about this more, hit me up on Twitter. I'm definitely down now that I've kind of, got really, really deep into Morton Smith and the secret gospel of Mark and all that stuff to, to talk about it. So and there's uh, a reason
0: that the secret gospel of Mark was the 42nd seed. Just to throw that out there.
1: Exactly. A very, very specific reason.
0: <laughs> all right. So next up, gosh, so secret gospel of Mark makes it on. It's going to play Jude in the next round. So that's going to be interesting. The movement you need is on your shoulder, Thomas. We have next up uh, third Maccabees and Daniel and Daniel walks away easily because third Maccabees is like second Maccabees, which is not as good as first Maccabees. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's pretty much right. Yeah. And Daniel,
0: Daniel is a hell of a book. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to talk about
1: Daniel more. Um, I, I think Daniel's actually going to go kind of deep. Sheldon, um, uh, friend Daniel. of the show. Uh, we'll be, we'll be excited to hear about that. Um, we, would, we had to go
0: to a, a funeral uh, this weekend for, for a dear friend who, who was a member of our church. And, I got into a, a conversation with a, another member of our church about Daniel and apocalypse literature. And we, we spent the whole time just talking about <laughs> that, kind of on the back row, talking about Daniel and apocalypse literature and friend of the show, Dale. Hey, hey Dale. And, uh, thank you for, for, uh, being there and, and that great conversation. So you'll be happy to know because she, she likes, um, Daniel as well. So you'll be happy to know that, that Daniel is going to go deep because I, I think Daniel and all those lions will, um, I think so. I,
1: I, I, well. I think I think Daniel's going to make a deep run for sure. Well, it,
0: I mean, the only thing that's standing in the way is Second Kings, because I mean, I love me some Second Kings, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, next, we have First Maccabees and the Letter, letter of Aristias. Yeah, First Maccabees walks away with
1: this. Honestly, I yeah. mean, we get Hanukkah. That's where we get Hanukkah from. Hanukkah, I mean, that's yeah. it's going to be hard to overtake Hanukkah. Honestly, eight crazy nights. So yeah, was,
0: it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. Celebrate I, Hanukkah. I don't know how. I mean, it might be a one trick pony. Not, not to be, it's, it's, <laughs> no, I, it's don't know.
1: I, I don't know. I, I think that
0: it, we'll, we'll yeah, see. We'll talk about Jeremiah. this more. Yeah. It's interesting. All right.
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about this more. Talk about Maccabees more later. It may have more than just like of thing going for it. So, um, all right. So we got two matchups we're going to come back to. Let's finish out uh, the rest of the first round. We'll come back to these two matchups.
0: Okay, so yeah,
1: you go ahead. You can um, knock them out. Yeah. So, uh, Galatians, um, actually edges out Ruth, which is really interesting, uh, Ruth is, has the really interesting, like kinsman redeemer stuff, and the sexual innuendo of her uncovering Buzz's feet, etc. But Galatians um, is mean, just so authentic. We're gonna—it's actually gonna have a really tough matchup against Exodus. So we're gonna talk more about that in the second round. Sorry, Mariana. Um, Mariana loves Ruth. Um, Jonah versus Numbers. This I is mean, hard for
0: me. This is really hard for me, but.
1: But this will not be hard for most people. <laughs> most people are going to be like, is yeah, a numbers. This it's I'm one of just... the most
0: underrated books.
1: <laughs> I uh, will give you that. Numbers is underrated, but Jonah it's has. Yeah, yeah, right. Jonah, we'll be clear Jonah does not have a whale. It has a fish, or maybe fishes, but we'll talk about that more later as well. Um, Next, we've got 2 Thessalonians versus the Gospel of Philip. The Gospel of Philip, really interesting text. 2 Thessalonians, not authentically Pauline. Gospel of Philip um, edges out 2 Thessalonians there. <laughs>
0: that just pisses off a whole lot of people.
1: <laughs> I know. That's okay. You can email me at sam at samherlson.com. <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. And then, um, Ephesians versus prayer of Manassas, uh, also interesting, but Ephesians for a number of reasons, just kind of squeaked that one out actually. Um, so Ephesians moves on to go up against, uh, the additions to Esther, which would be interesting. Um, so we got two more matchups. We're going to talk about, we got second Kings versus Isaiah and Mark versus Song of Solomon, which is one of the tougher matchups in the first round, but let's talk about second
0: Kings versus Isaiah first. All right, so Second you, Kings. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm an expert in Second Kings, but I know a lot about the it's Kind of a big deal, <laughs> but I'm kind of a big deal. Uh, I did my 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 focus work in, in the Deuteronomistic history. Uh, you know, say what you will about that. Um, also, books, he was a king.
1: Cool.
0: That one. <laughs> I, I I love Second Kings. It's my favorite book. Um, and, and on that merit alone, it barely squeaks out against Isaiah because Isaiah is a fantastic book and it has a great redaction or reception history but man second kings just just pick it up and go read it, it it's it's a heck of a story you, you get the you get the unraveling of not just the kingdom of israel but like you get this sort of unraveling of, of judah and you figure out like okay this is not going to go well for anybody and right. like especially what is, if you're a kid yeah like what is god doing and uh and and plus we get these great stories that that have Uh, corroboration like with 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 Sennacherib Sennacherib of Assyria's archives where he talks about putting King Hezekiah into a uh, he he puts him in a a cage like a bird Um, and we have that text from us from Nineveh which it's it's just really awesome to to have that corroboration Um, it's one of those marks where the history really does kind of overlap with with real history so it's, it's not just like Joshua saying, hey, we're, we're going to go kill all the Philistines with uh, the jawbone of an axe. It's like this is, you know, what it is, real stuff. But <laughs> we also get the story of Josiah. And to me, and Thomas and I, Thomas sure, and I, I will sure. argue about this, but Josiah to me is the pinnacle of the Old Testament. So the, the whole wow. DH— Wow, that's big. That's big. Yeah, so the whole DH is Deuteronomistic history uh, written uh, around Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's—, just, it's Secret book that's found by Zadok uh, during during the reign of Josiah. He's the high priest, and he he. They're, they're which redoing. means
1: which means what? Like righteousness, right? He's the righteous one, or whatever. Yeah, yeah I know. So. but
0: but then we had this Zadokites. I met a I met a guy yeah. the other uh, a couple of weeks ago. His last name was Zadok, and I was like, "Are are you Jewish?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Holy shit! Like, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wow." <laughs> it's like it's like meeting a Cohen, you know, who doesn't sing. You're yeah. like, "Wait, you're supposed to sing." Um. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible so anyway so uh, <laughs> i'm not being norman being, yeah uh anyway so so second second kings you get this great story of the finding of, of the book of, of of uh deuteronomy and all that that entails that they're redoing the temple and and they bring it to the king and and josiah just goes on a tear and he he rips down all the high places slash local churches and he he you know, institutes kind of the, the centralized worship at Jerusalem. He does really well. He, he thinks it's going to be awesome. He he goes up to fight the Pharaoh at Megiddo, and and he gets killed. And uh, that's the last we hear of Josiah. But the DH really saw Josiah as kind of this this huge pinnacle figure. I mean, he was he was the central part of the. Uh, the whole story of the, of the Deuteronomistic history and the whole story of, of the colonialism, if you will, of Israel. Um, so there's a lot of political uh, weight behind this book as well, even today. So th- there's a great uh, dissertation I read a couple of years ago about, about this, um, having to do with post-colonialism and, and how Josiah was kind of a precursor to what would happen with Israel. Anyway, fascinating stuff, layers upon layers upon layers. Um, second second kings to me over Isaiah
1: so I mean this is a really tough matchup uh, Isaiah is a really fantastic text um, some of my favorite pa- passages right about making crooked paths straight making you know things like that um, come from Isaiah um, you get the you know Didutero Isaiah really interesting reception history. You also yeah. have the three year period where, you know, the prophet Isaiah walks around naked prophesying, which is a particular favorite of mine. Um, and, and I, I don't, I mean, Isaiah obviously shows up and kind of, you know, people read back into it and understand like, you know, prophecies of Jesus, you know, the, like the virgin look, birth, right? right. For the virgin birth. Of course, it's not like that exactly. Right. <laughs> um, Alma and all that stuff. We can talk about the Greek and the Hebrew later if you want to. Um, but i had to go for second kings as well just edged it out 3-2 for me um my reason is not nearly as sophisticated as yours um but it comes down to two verses uh in in second kings <laughs> chapter 2 <laughs> okay. twelve, right it, it actually starts in verse 23 we're talking about uh, uh, elisha yeah,
0: 22-23, right yeah. sorry
1: Yeah, so we went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him saying, go away, baldhead, go away, baldhead. When he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. (laughs) Damn boy scouts. (laughs) And then he just goes under Mount Carmel.
0: Um, I, I, I'd never heard that story until I got to college and I was taking a class in Old Testament which i talked about on the show and, and the professor who was bald old white guy read this and he was like see so don't make fun of my bald head and, and right then I fell in love with this book and I knew that this yeah, was going to be my it's life it's so ball. good
1: it's so good I've got, I've got other good stories about this this passage that I cannot actually share on this show so um, <laughs> if we're in person and you sign an NDA then um, maybe we can we can talk about this a little bit more but yeah um, Second Kings eases out all right, you know, just kind of edges out there. Isaiah three two. two. All right,
0: two monoglots, two two, uh, two big two big teams.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's going up against the Didache, which is not a like. Don't sleep on the Didache. No. I know Sam. Sam's trying to sleep on the Didache. I feel like. No, I put him on fourteen. <laughs> but don't sleep on the Didache. They did I got a first long round paper five.
0: on the Didache when I was in seminary. I but the Didache, don't
1: sleep on the Didache. All right. Um. Then we have Mark versus Song of Solomon, which. Ooh. I don't even know where to start. Right. I mean, Mark is my favorite gospel, but also I love sex, which my (laughs) wife will be saying on air. Um, and we have the song of Solomon, which is just a fantastic text. It's this kind of celebration of, you know, court, maybe not courtship, but relationships and kind of, you know, does he, does she, I don't know, maybe yes. Okay. Let's do this thing. This is really interesting. Also gazelles and mountains and, and these are euphemisms for your body. Um, a really, kind of great. That's a John Mayer of, song, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your, your gazelles is, and mountain. Your body is a, a euphemism. Your body is a, your body is a, um, a, a mountain goat
0: gazelle or something. I don't know. <laughs> <A> mountain goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if
1: anybody could make that sound good, it would definitely be John Mayer. body
0: May-
1: is a mountain goat. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, honestly, I mean, "Song of Solomon" a really kind of great celebration of sexuality. I think. Uh, now, the reality is it actually doesn't kind of make its way, get its real standing into the canon until people be- begin to read it allegorically, right? is about this relationship between, like, God and God's people, which is not the right way to read the text. Um, but then we have Mark, which is just absolutely the best gospel out of the four canonical gospels, at least. Uh, it's the earliest. Uh, it's so good that Matthew and Luke copy, like, 80% of it for their texts. Right, good artist Bar, great artist still, um, but I'm an original flavor fan. And <laughs> here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In Mark, we get a really human picture of Jesus, with re- which resonates well with me. There is no divine birth; it starts when he's an adult at his baptism, and there's no resurrection in Mark. Right. Right? and and you'll go back and, and you'll you'll read Mark sixteen, and yeah, make sure to Mark stop 16, at verse Thomas. eight. Make sure <laughs> to start stop at verse eight because that's where it originally ended. Right, and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Don't read the shorter ending or you know the the kind of extra shorter ending or the extra longer ending that come in much later. Um, these are not original to the text. Don't read those. <clears throat> and your Bible will tell you if it's a decent Bible. Um, there's an empty tomb, but there's no resurrection. Mark, which is really interesting. And then you also, Mark is this text, like, and this is what I would tell my students when, when I taught New Testament is you sit down and read it straight through. And, and better yet, like, um, some of the readers, like Bart Ehrman has a good reader, has a couple good readers out with early Christian texts. And he has one for like New Testament stuff is read it like that. And if you, if you can find a reader where it doesn't have chapter and verse breakdowns, where you just read it as like a story, you're going to get so much more into it and you're going to realize how fast paced it is. Right. Every, it seems like every couple sentences is like, and immediately he did this and immediately he did that. And then halfway through, um, you're on the way to Jerusalem in the last week of Jesus's life. Just absolutely, uh, kind of fascinating, uh, gospel text that kind of brings out this humanity and you get all this, you get, you get all this interesting stuff about, um, the kind of messianic secret, right? Like, yeah, I know I healed you, but don't tell anybody. Um, so much from a literary perspective, I, I think Mark is it, it is the best gospel. It just tells such a better story uh, than Matthew, Luke, or John. So this this was honestly a really tough matchup for me. But Mark comes out for me three two over Song of Solomon.
0: Yeah, Mark Mark wins for me as well. Um, I think a, a little higher than that, but just I think I did four one. But just because. Um, I
1: just spent so much time dealing with sex, like <laughs> that sounds or however that sounds. Um but put like <laughs> in research and stuff like that, that it's really hard for me to just kinda like push the most sexual book in the canon out. Um but I just You didn't have
0: any problems with Ruth.
1: That's true. But it's but it's innuendo there, right? I mean it's it's there's not much innuendo. You want the out some, now. You, you know, want you want like your,
0: your your exactly. your boobs are like gazelles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, you know, I mean, I studied the corporations, so it's yeah, it's pretty true. straightforward with with them. So, but yeah, Mark. I mean, good gosh, that that ending uh, alone, you know, the, the tomb, you know, the, the the women got to the tomb and uh, they said that,
1: eh. and they so, said, you know, they said nothing to anyone for they were
0: afraid. Nothing to like, anyone. Wait, what? Woo, it's what such a ending. good ending.
1: It's yeah. such a
0: good ending. And how would hi- I don't know. How would history be different if that was still the ending? I like, think about that. I know yeah mark Mark, definitely so so mark in the next round is going to go up against psalms which Psalms, you know psalms Psalms may
1: have too much going on we'll see we'll see in the next round
0: the most boring book in the bible yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's way way more boring than leviticus all right uh so i think we got through this week so we're done with the first round so we're going to start back at round two. If you're following me along, it's slash thinking religion Link in the show notes. We're going to start back next week. We're going to do a bunch in, in round two so that we can go ahead and get to the later rounds and uh, spend some more time on these books. Uh, so we've got Ezekiel, Leviticus coming up, Second Corinthians and Matthew, Gospel of Mary, Bell and the Dragon, Ezra versus Philippians. Somehow the the Apocryphon of John beat Micah in the first round, so they're going to go up against Romans i'm still really shocked by that i don't remember how that. i happened. don't know how uh, yeah i go back and listen it was it was a travesty and then Haggai uh versus second samuel which is really interesting because i love Hagai. um so we, we've got some some good some good second round things and there's uh, much fewer matches in the second round and some books you haven't heard so far because a lot of books because there are a lot of books that made it and did not make it into the canon or the canon um uh, are, are going to be in the second round that you right. haven't heard us talk about. But so. like
1: 90%, 90% of the second round had first round buys. So, yeah, yeah it, it's not all just going to be talking about the same text we've already talked exactly.
0: about. It, um, it's not going to so. be until the third round until we get to that. And the third round only has like 16 matches. So we're, you know, that that first round was tedious, but we're really whittling down. So I'm I'm excited about that. And, and you've got to go eat a Philly cheesesteak or something, right?
1: Or something, yeah. I've got, I've got a, uh, I've got dinner plans. So I've got to do that. i have gonna do. Actually, had a Philly last night. Some, uh, some, some, Yingling.
0: Yeah,
1: they had Yingling at the thing, which is funny. Like, I don't. It's funny. Like, I never knew anybody that drank Yingling until I moved to Florida, and everybody there drinks Yingling.
0: Yeah, which interesting. Yingling here. Yeah.
1: Um, and it, it's like I don't really drink beer. It's a fine beer. Like, if there's no other options, I'll drink Yingling. Um yeah, it's not bad. Yeah and what like the oldest brewery in the country too which is yeah but know, and, and heiser
0: bush bought the bought the eagle from them they like still license the eagle or something yeah. and and yeah they, they're they the oldest uh, still i think independent brewery but they're the actually largest american beer maker still because anheuser-busch and coors and miller yeah, and all those companies yeah. are, aren't american anymore they're right right yeah.
1: yes i don't know i mean I, I don't know if they're, like I said, I don't really drink beers. I don't know if there's that many good like Pittsburgh or Philly beers. I know like Pittsburgh. Oh, there's beers. some great Philly beers. Yeah. Like some great like beers. Iron City and Icy Light and stuff like that, which are really right. good like Pittsburgh beers. I don't know about Philly, but um yeah. yeah,
0: there's some great breweries around there. Yeah, yeah, go go drink some English. Make America great again. Made I'm, in America.
1: Yeah. Make I, you know, kinda, <laughs> yeah, like the fire truck. I'm not, you know, where's the fire? We're
0: gonna put it out fast. <laughs> Thomas, I hope you would hold the door of the fire truck for me. Anything for you. <laughs> I got oh, that, that,
1: yeah. What? Man, yeah, we might have to do an after hours show. Um...
0: <laughs> I thought you, you gotta go to dinner.
1: I do, I gotta go I gotta go we might have to do it when I get
0: back from dinner, we'll see. Alright. Okay. <clears throat> we can do that. We can record it and put it out. So if, if you go to our thinking.fm, give us some money, we'll send you a, a, a we'll send you the after hour shows, the after dark shows, where we like Curse and we really tell you what we think about Ezra and Philippians and it's not just, you know, flippant. It's it's Philippians. Exactly.
1: Um, all right. Thanks for listening. This has been kind of a crazy show. Um, thanks for staying with us. We obviously have a lot of fun doing this. Hopefully you have a f- lot of fun listening to us. Uh, don't forget to reach out. We Really enjoy this. A lot of the stuff on the show is spurred by uh, what happens off-air yep. conversations with listeners on Twitter, on Facebook, in private messaging, emails and texts and things like that. Um, so don't be shy. A lot of people are doing that already, so you're not alone. Um, you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> if you don't already. It, that, that's like a weird kind of peer pressure thing, right? So
0: do <laughs> private whatever messages. makes you. Yeah, <laughs> slide into our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Sam in particular, as long as you slide in with some gifts, Travis. Yes. McBacon. Yes. Um, he loves those. Thank um, you. If you don't know, you can follow Sam on Twitter at sam harrelson. You can follow me at Thomas Whitley. You can always find this great podcast at Thinking FM.